Hi, it's Chris Watkin here, and I'm joined by Mr. Andy Overman, who's probably one of the most well-known estate agents in the UK through his being on the Estate Agents podcast with, with uh, Stephen Brown and Luke Sinclair. Thanks for joining me today, Andy. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I want to spend the next 20 minutes or so going through your journey as an estate agent because you've, you know, you've, just, you've just entered your 44th year. Uh, you, you've also set up your own estate agency under the Location Location brand, but there's been lots of trials and tribulations to get to, to, your, to that point. And I want to talk about those fears and frustrations and hopes and dreams so the boys and girls out there in estate agency land can learn. Is that okay? Sure. So, you fool, when did you want to become an estate agent? Um, ironically, I did work experience back in 1991, uh, year 10 at school, um, with the Woolwich Property Services. Do you know? You used to I did work experience. Did with Erna Lawrence, which became Woolwich with it a couple of months later. Yeah, yeah. From work experience, year 10. What's that in old money? So year 10 was what, fourth year at school. Fourth it? year. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, there you go. Separated at birth. <laughs> so the way you're going, you're being brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the hair, though. Anyway, go on. <laughs> go so, on, brother. Sorry. Yeah, back in um, 1991, I did two weeks work experience. Loved the fact that no two days were the same. It was okay. just... So, uh, such a, a wide and varied role for, okay. for all of the people in the office. And then I took on a government YTS scheme back in 1993. In fact, I've just celebrated my 28th anniversary. So 23rd of July, 1993, I became an estate agent. That's quite spooky because I became an estate agent literally a month later. Wow. That is spooky as hell, isn't it? Um, it was a tough market then, wasn't it? Yeah, just coming out of the, the back end of the late 80s, early 90s recession, it was it was incredibly okay. tough. So you went on work experience, you joined the YTS, you were basically the lad that made the coffee and stuck the stickers on the brochures. Yes, and on a Sunday I, I elected to work four hours extra for extra pay because of course it was only £28.50, wasn't it, back in the day? Until you turned 17 and then, and then you got a pay rise. How did your parents feel about you not going on to say university or... A-levels and stuff like that. So my auntie was devastated. She, I was, um, I was a straight-A student, um, but I rebelled and didn't pick up a, a, a book for revision. Um, ended up with Bs and Cs, um, single-parent backgrounds. So for me, if I wanted the latest trainers and I wanted the nice clothes, I had to go out there and earn them. So I had two paper rounds, three paper rounds, um, set up a market store, flipped burgers in the evening when I was sort of 14 and 15. To, to, to earn Where do you think that entrepreneurial ability came from? Um, just, I, I wasn't prepared to let the situation that I was in influence or, or detract from where I wanted to be. The fact that you came from a single parent household, do, do you think the fact that helped you in the hindsight? I know. Massive drive, massive driver. I knew that when I became a parent and had children, I never, I never wanted them, no disrespect to my mum, she did the very best that she could for us, but I never wanted my children to grow up in the same way that I did. But interestingly though, you talk to an awful lot of successful people and they actually say that by protecting their children, you actually are, you could almost wrap them in cotton wool for the future. Do you think, that, I know we're going off track here, but that's why I want to take the conversation. Mm. Do you think you could be wrapping up too much? No. No, they know the value of money. They know the value of people, of trust, of kindness, of love, the values that we share as a family. 
So all the same values that you had with your mum, but just basically making sure that they're not that leaving them, make sure that they don't have the nasty things. Yeah, and, and you know, my children, they'll do chores to earn their pocket money. It's, you, you don't get nothing for nothing. So, so you, it's not as if you're, you're not as if you're giving it to mum on a silver plate and a silver spoon. Absolutely not. No, they'll go for it in the same way that I did. So let's come back to the to the mid nineties. Um, how soon were you before you were out valuing properties? Late nineties. Okay. How was that? Challenging. Tough market. It, 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 it was a tough market. Yeah, yeah. I, I do genuinely feel that's the market. I think after this boom it's dies down a bit, I think for the next two or three years we're going to go back to the nineties, where basically it was it was very you had to you had to earn your bloody money. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, it's been a license to print money recently and it's flattered, you know, e e even the most, most mediocre of agents have been flattered by the market. And I think that as the market toughens up, then then good agents will come to the fore again. Can you remember your first free valuation? Yes. We can all remember our first, can't we? Skipping Block Row in Wyndham. There you go. Did you get on the market? Yes, I did. Good for you. Yeah. It's my first list and sell as well. Double yeah. commission. Hey. So... When did you think to yourself, estate agencies for me for the rest of my life? Because you could have gone different directions. I knew it from work experience. I, I genuinely, in, in the same way that, you know, um, my business partner, Vicky Babiris, uh, she knew from, from, from day one, I, I absolutely knew that property was for me. I loved it. What, the bricks and mortar, a nine-inch brick, a roof tile, or the people, or...? The people, the, the, the fact that you play such a pivotal role at one of the most stressful times. You have got the ability as an individual to make or break that person's um, life at that mm. point in time. And, and I think that carries a huge responsibility. And, and I, I love that responsibility. So when you were valuing, was that with still with the original firm that you were with or had you moved by then? So um, I had a spell with Abbott's and then with Spicer Heart. So this was during the 2000s then, was it? Mm. Were you a bit of a journeyman valuer going battles before between so i also had a canvassing role so one of my particular fortes was setting up appointments working alongside the valuations team um, and i did that certainly for spicer heart across norwich and cambridge so i was traveling a week in each office at the time okay what did you learn by that because let's be frank most most valuers are shit at business generation i learned to listen because if you listen to people's needs and, and then relate them to how you're going to plot the journey for them and simplify okay. that journey, then, then for me, that's, that's where I learned okay. the basics of charging what you're worth. But how did you get over that fear of rejection, which most valuers have? Um, it, it's like a slap in the face at a nightclub, isn't it? You know, that, that kind of analogy. You're going to get, in this job, nine slaps in the face for, 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 okay. for one. But if you don't mind me saying, Andy, most valuers don't go out there and business generate because they're afraid of the slap. How did you learn that slap? To write that? Is that because of your upbringing, the tough childhood you had? It's, you know, it's the little one percenters. So if, if you want to be mediocre, then you'll do a mediocre job. If, if you'll go the extra mile if you want to be ultra successful. And but every, if I had every single valuer on that sofa, they would say they want, they're successful and what's name, you know, and passionate. But you had the balls. To, but you, you don't mind going over the slap in the face. No, pa passion should not be confused with effort. They're not the same. You need to. You know, it's it's great being okay. passionate about what you do. Okay. But, but okay, but bring it back. How do you get over that fear, which most people have? I mean, we're going to come on and talk about the power of video in a, in a, in a bit, where you've got over the fear of video. 
you know, by, by the looks of it, Andy, you, you're presented with a problem, you get over it. Most, most people don't like door knocking, most people don't like business generation, and most people don't like doing videos because they're fearful of what other people think. How have you got over it? I've got a thick skin. Um, in the nicest possible way, I don't care what people think. They're not on my journey. My journey is my journey. It's a shared journey with myself, my team, and my business partners. It's not their journey. But how, you know, what, what piece of advice would you give? It's all very good saying journeys, but, you know, come on. How did Tom you... Panos says it, make rejection your best friend. Okay, and, and how did you do that? Acceptance. Just to just accept the fact you're going to get some no's. You're going to get no's. It's inevitable. Is it just a case of just the, sucking the, it up and being tough about it and being a, not being a big girl's blouse? You, you've got to have a thick skin. And, and the more no's, you know, for, for every no that I get, I'm one step closer to a yes. And if you go out with the mentality that for every no you get, you're one step closer to a yes, you'll appreciate the yes when it comes and the yeses will become more frequent. Have you got better at this as time goes by as you've matured? Yes. I went stale um, for a bit. Um, but in the in the environment that I'm now back in, I'm very much a small fish in a big pond. So you um, you went and joined your your, your firm before um, you joined them in 2009. And yep. if you don't mind me saying, I think throughout the 2010s, you were golden balls, weren't you? Yeah, I, I, I won the Times Award, and I was incredibly humbled for that. And had some huge successes. We, we were, the... were you enjoying yourself at that time in those in those early years? In the early years, yeah, up, up, up to sort of 2014, 2015, um, very much so. And what changed? I met some incredible people, um, thanks to Peter Knight and, and the, uh, the awards. Um, we started to connect on Twitter. I think social media became more and more prevalent in estate agency. So we were making, I, I personally feel as though I was making better connections. Um, you know, as was it almost like the, the, the scales were removed from your eyes that, that you, you could almost see the grass was greener on the other side? Yeah. yeah. Did you, could you see, your, if, you'd have gone, if I had spoken to you in 13 or 14, do you think you could have seen yourself at that firm almost forever and you know, hopefully become a director and an owner in the business and been there forever? At that stage, yes. Because there's an awful lot of estate agents out there, especially valuers, who feel who are in their 30s and early 40s, who are just treading water, are fearful of making the jump. Had you ever considered moving at that time? No, no. You were just enjoying the job, passionate about it, earning a decent income, good, good money, nice car, no stress. Do you think you become addicted to that? Almost not addicted, or that that you were you were chained to it. I feel as though there I was a big fish in a small pond. And yeah. that you know, was you, a comfort blanket to me, yes. Because you, by this time, you would, you'd recently married. You've got your, your kids. You just had not some, married. No, you're not married. No, no. Hey, Don't marry me off. It's about bloody time you did, though. Make a decent woman of her. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, we've been together for a few years. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and children. Yeah. Oh dear. Two beautiful. Daughters. Just a bloody ring around the finger, isn't it? That's what you're going to say. <laughs> Get it. I'll take the bitch. I'll sort him out. Don't worry. <laughs> sort yourself out, man. <laughs> Two beautiful girls, Sophia and Leah May, they're now eight and six. Uh, which we all know damn well that you think the world of, you know, really do, don't you? I, it? I idolise them, they're my world. All three of my girls are my world. So, you, you, through, through winning the award of, of what, what award was it with the property? Uh, uh, Best UK Estate Agency Manager. Okay. That opened doors and you, you realised that the, the light was on the other side. It did. Um, it, it was... 
it was my employer's reaction to it at the time because immediately after the awards, I was asked to sign quite a restrictive contract that had no benefit to me, no tangible benefit to me, um, but was quite one-sided towards. And, and that's when I, I suddenly saw a different side to where I was and, and I had my eyes opened to other possibilities, yeah. When did you think to yourself, I can't stop here forever? <clears throat> I think the crunch point came last year. But if you don't mind me saying, I've known you really well, 16, 17, 18. And the, I wasn't the only person saying to you, why the hell don't you go and set up your own agency? What was holding you back? Confidence. Confidence. Because there's two people in this world, which I said that. One was to you and the other one was to Tony Ruby. Mm. That if you actually looked at you both on social media, you acted and you felt like you were your bosses of your own firm. You weren't cocky or anything. You had that presence. You had that panache, passion, panache. Mm. M many people since Location Location um, East um, have said that they thought it was my firm previously. So they were, they were quite shocked. Do you think um, there was some jealousy there from your previous employer? I've no idea. Um, I, it's, it was a difficult time for me. Um, it was a difficult place. I'd like to think not, you know, I, I was the only one that generally wanted to go out and get the training and, and go on camera and do the social media. And much as, as you've heard Vicky's story, um, mine's the same. I, 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 I valued the business as my own. Because, you know, let's be honest, you know, you, you embrace the power of video and you really did. Mm. And you still do, you know, if you don't mind me saying, you're bloody amazing at that. You know, you, the, the, all the answers are out there, but you actually listened to them and went out and did them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is whilst you were being employed, you know. But if you don't mind me saying, but by doing that, you created a foundation for yourself that when you did launch, you hit the ground running, didn't you? Absolutely, yes. It's a familiar face and a you know, familiar face to put to the brand. Because of the amount of people I talk about self-employed estate agents and they almost start their marketing and their brand as soon as they hand their notice in. You almost did it, not deliberately, two or three years before, didn't you? Yeah, it was a byproduct of, 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 of how things evolved last year and it, it certainly wasn't the intention at the time. But it, it's, um, you know, I think you were the first person to encourage me to, to get onto video and, and uh, back in the early days with Luke St. Clair as well. I could see the traction that they were gaining, the Knightsbridge brand at the time for the, for the videos and the content and, and, and always doing it from a purpose of being helpful and giving something away. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, that, that, was, that was too good to ignore. Let's roll the clock forward to when um, lockdown one happened. You were furloughed. Yeah. You know, let's be honest, you were, you were quite an expensive beast. Right, you know. Be frank, do you think you'd have set up your own agency if you hadn't been furloughed? Uh, it's very difficult to answer. Um, furlough hit me hard, as, as it did a number of people. Um, I understand the business reasons behind the decision that was made at the time, with un unequivocally. Um, I think that there were two types of employer. Um, there was one that communicated, cared, in regular contact. I mean, when you look at the stark difference between my experience of furlough compared to what Vicky and Assad were doing with the team in London, they were polar opposites. I mean, I'm assuming that you know you were getting regular feedback, phone calls. How are you doing? No, 
So basically, you were shipped off on furlough and, and left and, and heard very little until things manifested towards the end, yeah. If you don't mind me asking, I mean, was it the actual furlough that hit you or the, the attitude? You know, because there's a lot of people that, that got furloughed, but it yeah. didn't affect them in the way it did you. I think it affected me. I love being immersed in the community that I serve. So from, from the point of view of not then being able to go out and do that community, I was having to find other ways. So volunteering with our local weeding group, I was uh, running prescriptions to, to, to people. Um, but I, it felt at the time, I mean, estate agents are my passion. I get up, I wake up to do it daily. I love it. Um, to have that taken away, I took it really, really badly. Um, you know, hit the booze, first pint at lunchtime, last pint at 10 o'clock at night, go to bed, wake up, rinse, repeat. Um, I, was in a, I was in an awful place, an awful place. When did you hit rock bottom? Um, Stephen Brown, phone call from Stephen Brown. Um, we were checking in on a Tuesday and Thursday within the group and um, yeah, he'd noticed, I think, two, three weeks running that uh, I'd been sat out in the garden playing in a pool with the kids with a beer on the go at lunchtime. And it was a phone call from him to say, come on, look, you know, you're putting on weight. You're not with it. This isn't you. Wake up. Smell the coffee. How did that hit you? Hard. Yeah, because it then triggered off, you know, the conversation triggered off with Evita and... Yeah, that's your other half. That's my other half, yes, bless her, yeah. Well, how did she feel at this point? Um, exactly the same. She'd, 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 you know, she'd wanted to say it and... Um, Do you think she was almost too close to the cold face that she didn't feel like she could say anything? Yeah, yeah. It's hard, isn't it? And I never want her to be in that position again, you know, with the, 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 the way things have changed over the last 12 months. Um, in, in, in our lives, we've, it's so much more open. Do you think by hitting rock bottom, it enabled you to bounce back and out of the, out of the well? Yeah, and I also think everything happens for a reason. And there was a reason that I was on that path and a reason that I was on okay. that journey. There was a reason that I was furloughed because I needed to reach those depths and be on that journey to ultimately end up on the path that I'm on now. How did it make you feel when someone that you look up to, Stephen Brown, hit you with some quite hard truth? Welcoming. Didn't it, didn't it hurt you that, or how did you, you know, were you, did you feel that you were letting your family down? Or more importantly, yourself? I was letting myself down. I was letting myself down. And indirectly then letting my kids down and, my, and, and your Vita down. It was hard. Do you think the kids noticed that you were going through a bad time? I'd like to think not. I'd like to hope not. No. Um, I mean, hopefully but, but in 20 years' time they can look back at this and see what their father did go through. If they did, I hope that they take the right things from it um, and they learn from it, as I did. And what did you learn from it? Um, I learned to be a stronger person. I learned that it's okay to be vulnerable. I learned that it's okay not to be okay. Um, and I learned that it's okay to, to, to ask for help. And Do you think you were putting out. a bit of a facade on... In the, you know those you know when you're in the bad years of sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, were you putting on a facade? I was unhappy. I was unhappy that the business wasn't going in the direction that I felt it could. Okay. I was unhappy that I felt I was being singled out as the the maverick when I wasn't. I, I felt that I was I was trying to take people on a journey that that perhaps you know that 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 journey wasn't right for those people at at that point in time. 
Do you think in hindsight that they'd almost cuffed you up because, you know, you'd bought a nice house, big mortgage, that sort of thing. Do you think in hindsight, do you think if you'd have rolled the clock back, you wish you'd have done it this before you'd have shackled yourself with such big mortgages? No, listen, if, if, if I could rewind the clock 10 years and have met Vicky and Assad when I did and, and begun this venture 10 years ago, unequivocally, I would have done it knowing now what I do, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. Forget the fact that you did a joint venture with, with Location Location, which I'd like to forget just for a second. Do you think you'd have jumped into a self-employed model after Foilo? No. No. So you'd still be at the original firm, unhappy? No, no. Uh, it, it became inevitable that, that the, the okay. relationship was tethered. There was, so, there so again, no... putting aside the fact that you had that relationship with Vicky and Assad, what do you think you would have done? I was speaking at the time to several people about going into business and, and, and doing something. In a venture, joint venture sort of in, way in, as opposed to a self-employed. But yeah. you would have made the jump? I would have made the jump. What would your message be to, to any agents in their 30s and 40s who have got commitments of family mortgages and things but who are unhappy? The unhappiness will only manifest itself spiritually in, in your world at some point down the line and 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 you're kicking the can down the road. My honest advice would be to control it. Knowing what I do now, I would seek opportunity and speak to people that can facilitate that journey for you, 100%. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the self-employed model. It doesn't, it can be a partnership model, it can be a self-employed model, it can be, it can be another employed, but, but, but in a different, uh, a different environment where you're valued and, and, and you're part of the journey. So by going to hitting the bottom of the well, you were able to bounce back. You've joined together with um, Vicky and Assad with Location Location. Um, how's that been going? Wonderfully. It's but of course you're going to say that, aren't you? No. No, it's a breath of fresh air. I'm, I'm now, I've never been comfortable feeling vulnerable. I, okay. I now can feel vulnerable and do i'm you know when you look at the the expertise take vicky and assad out of the equation when you look at pete you know when you look at anna when you look at hannah um it, who it, are it, these people at stoke newington at their branch in stoke newington when you look at the amazing people that i am around i feel a very you know small fish in a big pond again now and that that zest for learning is back that appetite and it's not born out of money okay or success, or car, or holidays. It's, it's born out of being on a journey, taking other people on that journey as well. Now I've now got this satisfaction within myself that it's, all, it's not all about okay. me, me, me. But you've got a business which is not all yours. You know, they yeah. do hold a sizable chunk of it. How does it feel that the fact is, is that you're working your ass off, if you don't mind me saying, and they still do earn a good chunk of the business? because they're working their asses off as well. We look at the marketing, look at the support, look at the phenomenal encouragement and leadership. For me, it's worth it. So are location location looking for other people then? I think, you know, certainly Vicky and Assad are very open-minded for the right people. There are opportunities. You know, when you see what the guys are earning on an employed model, um, they're doing very, very well for the right people in the right areas, then... then you've always got to be a rock star, I would, would you, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, without saying it about myself, yeah, they've got but to... But you are, if you don't mind me saying, you are a rock star. 
I'm humbled. I mean that. Genuinely humbled. Yeah. I, I don't see that for myself. I'm, well, I'm, no, you, you, are the, you are a classic, hungry yet humble estate agent who I felt should have jumped ship a couple of years ago, but didn't. But if you actually think about it, in hindsight, you not jumping ship, because you could have jumped ship to your EXPs and your Keller Williams, I don't think that would have been right for you. No. So by actually waiting those couple of years, again, I'm a huge believer in, in fate. Fate brought coronavirus. It, it basically brought it to a head. And, you know, you got, you, got, you got together with the location, location guys, and the rest is history. And, and the value add from Assad, the, one of the well, most... Well, we've had Vicky on the sofa this morning. It's just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I've got a zest for learning, you know. Okay, so it's not just about I earn X percentage, or which I think is the wrong way, boys and girls out there in the state agency band, you should choose whichever model you want to go with. Mm. We, we, it's interesting, we are in a people business, yet we never talk about the people, do we? So, so if you want a percentage of a business that's going to be... £200,000, £250,000 turnover and you want that for the rest of your life, that's great. But if you want to take people on a journey and then grow that business from one to multiple locations and have X percent yeah. of a business across... you know, Surely it's better to have a smaller percentage of a bigger pie yeah. than a large percentage of a small pie. Yeah. Depends what flavour the pie is, mind you, but there you go. <laughs> and what's the future for you, Andy? I share in Vicky's vision of helping people create incredible lives for themselves. I've got a wonderful first hire, Abby. Abby's our client success coordinator. She has just come on leaps and bounds. She video um, now features twice a week. It's important that it's, it's her out there on video as much as it is myself. It's one of the first things. She was very, very uncomfortable doing video to start with, but with the right encouragement, the right guidance. Um, and the right culture within the team that's you know she's doing phenomenally well and i'm i'm super proud of her um, if i could have another two or three abbeys in the fullness of time then we'd have a phenomenal business um, andy thank you very much for your time today you've been truly inspirational thank you thank you